Social distancing. Jeez. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Perry. I am very happy after some severe technical difficulties to welcome back to the show the, the bourbon boys themselves, Curtis and Swan. Guys, hello. Hi. What's up? Hi, buddies. <laughs> took so us a while. Peek behind the curtain. It took us a long time to get here, but we finally did, and it's all good now. It's all good. You know what we get to do? We get to drink whiskey. We get to talk about it. We get to say, hey, this is the thing that's been going on in the world, and it's it doesn't have to be about coronavirus. So that's, that's something special that we yeah. get to enjoy together. So <laughs> um, we start every episode... With a segment called Flying Blind, where I blind these guys on a uh, on a pour, and they do not know what it is. We are uh, finishing up basically the first batch of samples that we had used for a few weeks of recording. And uh, Swan, you missed last week's episode. I did, but yeah. Did, did you see what our review was by chance? I actually didn't. I've been working a lot, so I completely missed it. So it was the, uh, we used sample E, and it was the David Nicholson Reserve. The Black Label? Yes. Sweet. I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have, you can have a little sample of that if you feel so inclined. Um, but, so this is sample A from the, the batch of samples that I got these guys uh, when social distancing and quarantine all started. And uh, I'm excited to see what you guys think about this, this blind pour. It's pretty light. Light but pleasant. There's a pleasantness to it. I, think. I agree. Yeah. Oh, by the nothing, way, I... Uh, nothing out of the ordinary. No, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Um, by the way, I am recording the, uh, the video of this, too, so maybe Patreon's going to get the video for this, because or, or YouTube, I don't honestly know what's going to happen with this video. I just was like, hey, I'm going to do I this. Put it do on. you guys okay with it? We'll find out, but... <laughs> yeah, why not? I, so, we'll, case, we'll see how this goes, but... Uh, we'll get the lighting a little better. <laughs> yeah, now you, look, now you look good, Kurt. Yeah. I mean, you always look good, but, you know... Yeah, sure. <laughs> now you look extra good. Thanks, I appreciate that. Now you look that. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> At least I can get something Ooh. right, apparently. Dude, don't beat yourself up, man. Huh. This is interesting. Light spice on the finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of Waffins. Interesting. I'm it's not getting get enough... Way. Just tobacco-y, I don't know. Mm. I could, I'm not getting enough of the, uh, like, peanut butter, like the peanuts that you usually get with the nuttiness of that. Swan's like, I disagree, but... I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this one, to be honest. Really? Yeah. That's interesting, because a couple weeks ago, you were actually drinking this, Swan. 
Is it <laughs> on pen? air? And you guys couldn't see me make a face about it because I like you said that you were drinking it, and I was like, "Well, dang, I gave him a sample of it." Um, it's it's just Sazerac rye. It's just baby Saz. Yeah, I don't know. I think my bottle tastes different. This is not. Really? Yeah, this is different. Mine's had a huh. long time to open up. I've had it since like probably 2018, and it's been open. Wow. Uh, I've so had this for probably about a year as well. Um, I'm so surprised you don't like this one. I mean, it's fine. I don't have any <laughs> issues with baby Saz. I don't reach for it very often. And I'm constantly reminded when I do actually have it that it's kind of meh, you know? Sure. Um, sure. Which is fine, because, I mean, they've got the Saz 18 to kind of show off a little. But I don't know. This is definitely one I like in a cocktail, and I can see why they named it. Yeah. 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 I I totally agree on that. <laughs> well, I think it's cocktails, good though. I mean, it's very like you know. I feel like it's standard rye. You know, yeah. taste. It's good. It's quality. Like it's not bad by any means. And I mean, it is very much a beginner's rye whiskey. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But speaking of cocktails and uh, what we've been drinking recently, what have you guys been drinking recently? <laughs> uh, I've been drinking the Cooper's Craft 100. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I need to pick up a bottle of that. I never actually did. I think I only ever only ever drank it off of Chad. Yeah, no, it's surprisingly okay. I don't know how to explain it. That whole grooved barrel thing is just odd, but uh, we we recently just ordered some, like, cooper's craft coffee they they make some uh coffee for from cooper's craft and i wanted to just try that again and see what you know what kind of barrel influence it has and i still don't like coffee so it's just me drinking and making weird faces but like i'm it's fine kurt what about you buddy what have you been drinking i've been having some early times nice like the the, the bottled and bond right you're not drinking uh, the, the, you, the whiskey yeah not the <laughs> <laughs> the bottle and bond for sure <laughs> sure not drinking like just a handle of like the 84 proof or whatever they have dude with at this point it's like <laughs> yeah with the problems we've been having might as well it doesn't get worse might as well indeed yeah uh i've been drinking a, a bunch of different stuff um quarantine has put me in a beer mood for some reason so i've been drinking the uh the rogue dead guy ale which is one of my favorite beers of all time. Um, also had a, I made a, a very old fashioned last night. I posted it on the, uh, on the social media pages. So what I did was, um, I didn't have simple syrup. Uh, so I just took like a big thing of sugar, dumped it in the bottom, uh, muddled it with the berries and bitters, added just a little bit of water. Um, and then threw the bourbon in and some ice and it turned out really good. I used it Old Granddad really 114. Good. It was fantastic, dude. It was uh, I used raspberries and blueberries um, for the for those, and I actually threw a little bit of blood orange bitters in there as well. Ooh, okay. So it was a very fruity uh, cocktail, but it turned out delicious. And using the Old Granddad 114 helped the uh, <laughs> the, the whiskey to cut through, and boy did it, boy did it. Somehow I even managed to uh, stay up until about two in the morning watching a movie. 
So I was I was getting wow. up <laughs> round two. <laughs> round two. <laughs> we'll yeah, we'll talk can... about that in uh, tips and bits. What what it is though. But oh okay um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, let me tell you, I got a good I got a couple ones this week. Um, but then I also I also have to say a special thank you to uh, Clint Mann, uh, who is one of our. Uh, it sounds like a like a fake name that he used to check into a hotel. Um, but he is one of our patrons, and he sent me basically just a whole box of Texas bourbons and whiskeys. And, I mean, anywhere from, like, 750s to 375s to samples, like 200 mil samples. So uh, tomorrow night, at, which is, you know, the day after this episode comes out, uh, my live stream will be all Texas whiskeys. Oh, so okay. we'll see how that goes. That's very cool. <laughs> it's like a starter pack for Texas whiskey. It's dude, it's a lot of whiskey. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna be able to drink all of it, but there is a good deal of whiskey in there. So I believe in you. I think you can do it. I think you can drink all of it. I miss having people helping me when in uh times of quarantine. But... Oh, but the internet loves making watching you make a fool of yourself, so just <laughs> all of it. Yeah, second. what's up with that, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I don't either. I mean, that's why I'm here every week, so... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, let's hop into the news of the week. There is not as much as was definitely expected, but there's there's a couple of things we wanted to touch on. The first is kind of a feel-good story out of Florida, of all places. Uh, a veteran uh, bought a Van Winkle 25-year decanter at basically double what it was being offered for. It was originally offered for 20 k and he bought it for 40 k to support the staff at his favorite restaurant in Florida. First off, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. And uh, the, the man's name, they, they didn't reveal the, uh, the name of the man who, who purchased it, uh, but the... Uh, the couple who own the restaurant are just apparently thrilled, as I think I would be, too, to see that kind of money coming through. <laughs> I mean, that's just amazing. This guy took it upon himself to, you know, buy one bottle of whiskey in support of people that he loves and wants to take care of. I just think that's so... It gives you the warm fuzzies. Perry, do you have some explaining to you about this article? I'm going to read this verbatim. The rare <laughs> bottle, number 413 out of just 710 produced, according to the press release, was in Perry's vintage liquor collection for a few years. Perry is the last name of the people who own the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Likely story. All right, here we go. <laughs> it's Blame Perry Hour on This Is My Bourbon Podcast. <laughs> You're the reason my microphone wouldn't work. <laughs> it has nothing to do with my setup at home. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. No. Anyway, just cool. I, I thought it was something special to kind of talk about instead of talking about all the sad negatives that have been going on recently. Um, I wish that I could afford to do something like that, but alas... $40,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about that too. Like I would love to be able to give back in this time, like time of need, you know? And if I had the resources, I no doubt would. I'm sure 
there's a million and one people that feel the same way. But yeah, I wish I'm like, ah, can I? I'll just drop 10,000, right? <laughs> yeah, unless oh, I yeah. can drive that thing of whiskey to work. It's not happening. I can't. I can't drop that kind of money on on that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I. I mean, I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close. I mean, that's that's kind of the reason, like, why I wanted to do this. Uh, and I use the term "wanted to" very loosely. Um, but for anybody who doesn't know, I'm now working for the unemployment insurance hotline in Kentucky. And boy, are there some angry people in this Commonwealth who don't understand why they have not received their their unemployment check yet. Swan, stop pointing at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, help out any way you can, I guess. That's what we're getting at. I gotta yeah, find something else to pour. What do you guys want to drink? I'm gonna have some Knob Creek. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh-huh, he's got a little sample. sample of it. Yeah. I uh, the the rest of the the rest of the news is kind of just about releases and TTB labels. The first release is coming out of Jim Beam, and this is shocking, and something that's going to be a new staple of their their product line too. It's a twelve year old Knob Creek, twelve mm-hmm. years old. It's still going to be a hundred proof. Um, it is coming out sometime this month or has already come out. I haven't really had the chance to go look at stores or anything for, for new bottles. Um, but this is crazy cool. Uh, it's going to be from the center cut of, uh, the rack house, rack houses. That sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Rick houses. Um, which is something that Jim Beam has always kind of lauded themselves for the products that come out of the center cut of their warehouse. Are you guys excited about this? It's 60 bucks a bottle. For a twelve-year-old hundred-proof whiskey, um, I'm not mad at that. I mean, I I think I would have been a little more mad at that, like a year and a half, two years ago, when there was fifteen-year-old Knob Creek picks just sitting in my liquor stores around me. Uh, and now that they're pretty consistently like nine, ten years old, when I do actually find them at Liquor Barn or Total Wine. You know, the extra age, I'm willing to pay a little bit more for it, even at 100 proof, because it's not exactly proof down at 100 proof. You know, it's still up sure. there. So I'm, I'm not mad at it. I do like that it says right here, availability, widely available. I, yeah, we'll see about that. That's my favorite, like, hope and promise from, from Jim Beam. <laughs> yeah, what's your thought on it actually being available? How, what do you anticipate it actually being? I am anticipating it being definitely not easy to find. Um, you guys remember, was it the, what was the age-stated one that came out last year? It was a blue label? It was the same thing. I think it was an, a 12-year-old, and they're just making it widely available now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I never saw huh. it at all. I saw plenty of the twice-finished rye, but I never saw this one. You know what's hmm. funny? In the in the time leading up to quarantine, I actually did see that that twelve year old release from last year quite a bit on the shelf, and people just aren't <laughs> people just weren't buying it. So I don't know. Maybe it's still going to be there in a month or so. 
Um, but and, and I guess the difference is that that was more of a limited release, whereas this is supposed to be wide. But we'll find out, I guess. I'm excited <laughs> either way. Ultimately, I can't that's be mad about a new to. Jim Beam or a new Knob Creek release. Uh, this next one I am extremely excited about. Extremely excited about. The newest Bardstown Bourbon Company collaboration series. Oh, man, I cannot say that name. Um, it's an Armagnac cask-finished bourbon. Uh, it's an MGP 12-year-old bourbon uh, that was then finished for 18 months in these Armagnac casks from... Should I try it? Should I try the name? Go for it. Ch- Chateau de la Labade? I don't know. Chateau de Labade? I don't know. Labode? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> oh, maybe it is Labode. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's going to That's be... That's why we're Quick from Man. the great state of Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be calling it the Chateau Labade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh, anyway, uh, 59.2% ABV, $125. Uh, going to be only 2,000 bottles in California, Florida, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Um, look, having been a fan of everything that uh, Bart's and Bourbon Company has been putting out, I'm pretty excited for this one, uh, especially being a fan of Armagnac. I like Armagnac a lot. I really do. If I had one alternative that wasn't bourbon or rye, that I could that I could drink. Uh, should all of the bourbon and rye whiskeys go out, uh, just disappear in the world? Um, I, I feel like Armagnac would be the one that I would replace it with. So, um, I honestly don't know if I've ever had it. It's so good, man. We need it's, to just do an episode on it. We absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. I need yeah. to get more first because um, what I have the the supply that I have is dwindling at best. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do an Armagnac episode. I think that sounds awesome. Yeah. Do that that'd be cool. Sure. Uh, next three releases we have actually already talked about on the show before. So haha, jokes on you, big <laughs> bourbon press. We already knew about it. Uh, yeah. it is the three, um, kosher releases coming from Buffalo Trace. They're, uh, rye recipe bourbon, uh, their wheat bourbon and, uh, their straight rye. All of these are going to be for uh, 40 bucks. They're all going to be 94 proof, and they're supposed to be out right now. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll see on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could just, you know, not actually exist. Wouldn't that be something to come out of quarantine and then discover that all of the whiskeys that we thought were going to be out there just never actually existed? It was all just a lie. It was <laughs> like instead of April Fool's being one day, it was the entire month. The entire month of April, just a joke. Yeah. Which, to be no. fair, kind of. That's a how joke. it's felt. <laughs> that is how it's felt. So, <laughs> can't deny that one. I don't think I like that. I don't. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we had uh, we had talked about these probably what about a month ago. Um, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, if <laughs> we can find them. I would be very interested in trying them, but I am not sure that that's ever going to be a reality. I mean, you're basically getting uh, a a slightly higher proof 
Buffalo Trace bourbon, like their stock Buffalo Trace, um, a slightly higher proof Weller Special Reserve, <laughs> and a slightly higher proof Sazerac Rye. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and it's approved kosher, which I mean, I guess someone may you know appreciate that, but for me, it just seems like a few extra proof points. Yeah. So we'll see. I I don't I don't know if there's much to be said about that past. It'd be great to try, but who's going to who's to say whether or not we'll actually see it in our lifetime. Yeah. Uh the next one comes from the Fourgate I uh, whiskey company, uh Kelvin Collaboration 2. Uh it is a bourbon uh finished in cognac and rum casks. Uh, 63.2% ABV, $200, uh, only being sold uh, in Kentucky and Tennessee, 2,474 bottles. Swan, you were shaking your head. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be spending my stimulus check on. <laughs> <laughs> is that what but, you're going to spend your stimulus check on? I mean, I don't know what I'm doing with that just yet. We'll find out. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I've only had one of the four gate. I had the, I think it was a five and a half year old, and I was just kind of eh on it. Uh, which I don't, I agreed that it's probably not their best expression because I think they did a 12 year old as well, and I've heard better things about that one. Uh, but I don't know, man. They have been bouncing all over the place. They have not really stuck in one lane long enough for me to get a good feel of them. So, sure. um, I, I just need more experience with it, I guess. Yeah, 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 I'm on the same Absolutely. boat on about dropping that kind of money, and and I have noticed that it has been kind of back and forth a little bit. Yeah, for sure. These next two products uh, I had honestly never even heard of before. It is Old Hamer. I think it's it's got to be pronounced Hamer, right, Swan? We had a conversation about this off air. There's no way it's Hammer because it's H A M E R. I think you're yeah, totally right. I just want to get just absolutely drunk on this and make hammer time jokes like that's <laughs> it's not gonna sound right if i if i get like half a fifth in and i'm just like hammer time no it's i can't <laughs> but sure i yeah um distilled in indiana it's a straight rye i there's actually two products here um one is a two-year-old 90 proof for 28 dollars uh, and the other one is a two-year-old at cast strength, uh, 57.5% uh, for $40. And it says that both of these products are going to be released in Indiana uh, with plans to expand. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'll try any any rye. I like some two-year-old rye whiskeys. Uh, one of them we're going to be talking about here in a little bit uh, in regards to chicken cock. So, um, yeah. I like I the old-style label, too. Yeah, I do, too. I like that quite a bit. That looks pretty I do clean. Like that they pointed out that this is the uh the proof for batch one. So there's gonna be multiple batches of this cash yes. strength. So I'm yeah. I'm interested to see uh the range on that. If they're gonna stay a little more four roses or if they're gonna be a little more Elijah Craig barrel proof in their their proof points. Yeah. So uh that's basically all the news for the week. We have uh just three different TTB filings to get through. The first one is another Armagnac finished bourbon, which has got me all all tingly and with excitement. 
Uh, it is the 2020 limited edition Yellowstone Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, 101 proof, finished in Armagnac casks. Um, I love I love this. I love it so much. I'm so excited. I have I have really liked every single one of the uh, Yellowstone Limiteds that I've had. They've not put out a bad product in that in that line. I don't think. How do you guys feel about this? I think they're all pretty good. Some of them can be a little unaccessible for price, but I mean that's I don't very know. true. They're they're up there. But then, uh, and gosh, his name's escaping me right now. Who's who's the guy that we always see uh, with Yellowstone? Oh, uh, Stephen like, Fonte. Yeah, amazing guy. I love absolutely Stephen. amazing. If I can get a sample from him, honestly, this could be like just straight off the still and i'd be like this is the best thing i've ever had i mean he's <laughs> he's, he's just that good uh but i'm, I'm excited for it I, I think i'm glad that everyone's kind of getting into the armagnac finish because last year i think it was uh rum cask everyone was going nuts over rum cask stuff yeah um, what do you think the switch to all that is to just something new that one per kind of a domino effect just trying to change it up i imagine yeah yeah honestly yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm just gonna throw this out there now. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Basil Hayden do an Armagnac finish this year. Oh wow! Because they they are big on following those trends. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. They did a rum cast finish last year, and they kind of matched a lot of the other rum cast finish stuff that they put out. Yeah, Perry's been loving the Armagnac then. Hopefully I'm all about it, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm all ab- I'm all about it. I'd be more than happy to get some of that. Um, yeah. I the love next the, one is. Uh, wait a second. Um, yeah, go I ahead. love the, on the back where it says "From our hearts to fill your glass." Oh, I love that. That makes thanks, me happy. Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next release is actually a rum cask finished. <laughs> so they're still Talk out there, one. but yeah. It's a it's a MGP rye uh, from Redemption, uh, rum cask finish, ninety four proof, and it says batch one. So I guess they might have more than one uh, more than one release of that. So, I I mean I've not had a lot from Redemption. What I have had has been fine. Um, I'm interested to see what this might turn out to be. Do I think it's going to be exceptional? Who's to say, man? Who's to say? Yeah, and I. I do like that. It is interesting that it says the cast series. So I'm assuming that there will be more to come, right? Maybe in an arm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. oh, I see what you did there. Ah. Maybe, yeah. But I am serious. Like, <laughs> I, I will be interested to see what what else is there. Um, I, the label's fun. Yes. Giving off very, very much Tommy Bahama, like <laughs> Margaritaville vibes. I'm excited for it. I think Redemption's put out quite a bit of stuff that I've, I really haven't tried. Like, they have a weeded whiskey as well. And yeah. I just have never seen it. And they've got, like, a high rye and then a rye and then just a regular bourbon. I mean, it's it's a lot of interesting stuff that I've not touched. Uh, we'll have to do a deep dive into their products one time uh, for the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, we'll see about that. Uh, next product, I, actually, I'm pretty excited for, I, especially considering... I, that this this company has been very nice to the show as of late, and uh, they sent us some fantastic samples, which I tried on my live stream last week. Uh, Barrel Craft Spirits is releasing a rum, fourteen years old, 
129.4 proof. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I think I'm most excited about this is the, if you read the back of the label, it looks like they pulled, hold on, it's got a little hard to read on TTB. Rum cast from Barbados. Uh, I can't read that. Guyana. In Jamaica. So they, they <laughs> it's completely... Guyana. 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 There you go. Uh, but they, they've they actually gone through and done this much like they've done their bourbons in the past where they've kind of curated yes. and made exactly what they want. And it's 14 years is going to be, I'm assuming, just like bourbon, the lowest age. And mm. it's still mm-hmm. 129.4. That's yeah. nuts. That's an intense, intense rum. Yeah. So... Hey man, I'll drink that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll definitely get all over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, uh, not much in the way of TTB releases this week, and in news as well. So, uh, what we actually did this week is uh, I, I got the opportunity to sit down with Greg Snyder, the master distiller at Chickencock, um, and I, I had a really well sit down. We did it virtually, but had a really great conversation with Greg. Um, so what you're going to get to hear is all of that, uh, right now. And then, uh, Curtis and Swan and I are going to come back afterwards and we're going to taste, uh, the bourbon and the rye and talk about it a little bit before we wrap up the show. So enjoy. It is a real treat to be able to welcome in this guest to, this is my bourbon podcast. I, this is one of the most important people at a very special distillery in the United States. Please welcome Greg Snyder of Chicken Cock Whiskey to the show. Greg, how are you? Hi, Perry. I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me be on the show tonight. Absolutely. I'm so happy to get to chat with you. So uh, the, the big reason why you are, are chatting with me today is because Chicken Cock has a new product that's coming out, and it is your all's rye whiskey. Um, I'm very excited to try this. You guys were, were very uh, gracious enough to send me uh, samples not only of the the straight bourbon whiskey but also the rye whiskey. Um, so tell me a little bit uh, about each of these products before we get into the weeds of it. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, again, just uh, to give you a little background on on the brand itself. Uh, uh, yes, please. Chicken cock whiskey is actually you know an old old brand. It originated in Paris, Kentucky in 1856, and uh, you know it's interesting. I've uh, in the last uh, couple of years, I've been involved with the, the company and the brand. Uh, you know, a lot of people doing tastings and that, they say, man, wh- where'd you come up with that name? You know, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I didn't come up with the name. The name actually uh, was originated in 1856 when a man by the name of James A. Miller started a distillery and started a brand called uh, Chicken Cock Whiskey. And, of course, back in 1856, a, a male chicken was called a, a cock, just like uh, South Carolina game cocks and, and that was so. <laughs> You know, it, um, but the brand did well. It, it uh, has a lot of history, uh, uh, post pro, you know, pre prohibition, during prohibition. Uh, actually, during prohibition, when prohibition came along, the uh, distillery had to shut down, you know, like many others. They didn't, uh, sure. didn't have the means to acquire a, a, a medicinal alcohol permit. And so the, the brand actually was sold to a company up in Montreal, Canada. And uh, this company actually produced rye whiskey. And so they would bottle it. They'd actually put it in a can to protect that bottle when it was bootlegged across the border back into the U.S. Um, 
So chicken cock whiskey actually got its claim to fame in a lot of speakeasies, but its biggest uh, claim to fame notoriety was actually it was the house whiskey at uh, the Cotton Club up in Harlem, New York, which was probably one of the most uh, most famous speakeasies. But uh, long towards the end of Prohibition, the uh, the brand sold back to a company called National Distillers, and they reopened uh, the distillery because they had a medicinal alcohol permit. And so chicken cock oh, okay. prohibition was over with. Uh, they, they actually were making medicinal alcohol. Um, and then uh, prohibition was repealed and, and the brand continued to grow and do well. Uh, up until about the 1950s, the distillery actually burned down. And at that time, the company decided not to rebuild it. And, and the brand sat idle up until about uh, 2012. Uh, Marty Antela, the, uh, the founder of Grain and Barrel Spirits, acquired the brand. And he had a vision to resurrect it back to Kentucky. And so uh, uh, he was working at, of course, like most companies in the bourbon boom today, you know, when you get just getting started, you know, it takes time to, uh, to age bourbon. And so uh, like most companies, uh, he went out and he sourced bourbon and, and whiskey and, and um, you know, bottled it under the chicken cock name. And so um, along about, oh, June, July of 2017, um, you know, I've been in the business uh, 42 years myself, Perry. And uh, so long about 2017, I decided to get out of the corporate rat race and, and uh, kind of ramp up my retirement plan. And that was not to retire, but to start my own uh, consulting company. So that's uh, that's <laughs> how I hooked up with Graham Barrel Spirits and, and uh, met Marty and and uh, uh, helped him with the supply chain. But uh, then eventually he uh, he asked me to become his master distiller. Um, one of the things I did was actually negotiate a contract, um, uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company. I'm, I'm sure you're you're in the Lexington area, right, Perry? Yes, I am. I am very much in Lexington. You're, you're familiar with Bardstown Bourbon Company? Quite, yes. They're some of my favorite people in the yeah, entire they're, world. They're awesome the people. They've got a fantastic like facility and they're making some, some great yes. whiskey. So uh, they have a collaborative uh, distillation program. And uh, so in August of 2018 is when we actually laid down our first 600 plus barrels. Um, you know, my role as master distiller, I basically gave them the chicken cock mash bill for our bourbon, which is uh, 70% rye, 21%, I'm sorry, 70% corn, 21% rye, and 9% malted barley. And uh, then I also provided them with the, uh, uh, you know, basically the times and temperatures for cooking, the the fermentation distillation specifications and also select the barrels that we we age our, our bourbon in and sure. so um yeah we laid down our first barrels in, in august of 2018 in february of 2019 we, we uh, uh, produced another 600 plus barrels and then just here about two or three weeks ago uh, we laid down our third batch of, of 600 barrels and, and those were a little bit special which i'll, I'll get into in, in a little bit here but sure, uh, sure. the rye whiskey uh, you asked about i mean uh, it's it's um you know part of uh, what we're promoting it's 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 been 75 years or, or longer since uh um chicken cock actually had a rye whiskey and so uh while our whiskeys are aging um you know again part of my responsibility is to go out and locate high quality um, whiskey that we can put under the chicken cock name to bridge that gap until ours becomes of a proper age uh, through the maturation right. process. Right. Um, so this rye whiskey, I actually tried several several different ryes, 
And, uh, you know, I, I basically, I, one of the things I, I don't do is I don't necessarily focus on age. I get samples and I, I do my sensory analysis and, and I, I determine just based on that sensory analysis, uh, you know, what we're trying to, to achieve as far as the, the aromas and the taste profile. And uh, this bourbon, I'll be very transparent, it actually came from Bardstown Bourbon Company. Uh, as I said, I sampled some from a couple of different companies, but uh, this was fantastic. I, I, I just, I really like the, uh, uh, the spicy notes, the complexity of it. And uh, I'm very pleased with uh, what we're offering. And I, I, I will be very honest too. I just tried the, the rye for the first time as you, as you were talking about it. Um, I, I made sure to, to look up the mash bill as well, the rye. It's 95.5. That's correct. Um, which typically turns into being some of my favorite rye whiskeys. There is, there is a, there's something about removing the corn from the mash bill that seems to allow the rye to just sing and just be so present in the whiskey and the final product. Yeah. So how, how many different samples did you kind of go through and, and did you find yourself leaning more towards uh, the, the higher rye content as these, as you were sampling things or, or was it kind of like everything was a little bit, you know, fairly even until you came to the final decision that this 95, five, uh, 95, five was your, your rye whiskey. You know, you hit it right on the head. I, I, um, 10 of the, my 42 years in the, in the business, Perry, I was actually the managing director of wild Turkey distillery. And, um, you know, Back then, we made a rye whiskey. We didn't make a whole heck of a lot but because uh, we didn't sell a heck of a lot. But the rye whiskey that we made at Wild Turkey was it was somewhere in the 60 to 65% rye. Okay, range. sure. And then uh, it had, you know, a, a pretty, you know, 25 to 30% corn. And you're right. I mean, that corn just, it, it kind of masks some of the, the great flavors that you can get out of, out of the rye. So the, the 95.5 is, is the ideal uh, mash bill for, for rye whiskey, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and there, there is, you know, you kind of have to dance around Jimmy Russell at some point too, and say, you know, uh, we're thinking about doing this, Jimmy, but, uh, you know, we got something for you to try. So I imagine that you had a little bit of a uh, trouble trying to make Jimmy okay with everything during that period. <laughs> you know, I, I love Jimmy. Jimmy's uh, a dear friend. He's, he's like a brother to me. I mean, like I said, I worked with him for, for uh, over 10 years and, and uh, uh, he's just, he's, he's the last of the true true master distillers, in, in, in my opinion. Um, he's a good man. You know, he's a good, good man. <laughs> uh, well, but we'll, we'll of course get back to talking about chicken cock. Um, so uh, let's let's talk about this this bourbon first and foremost because this is kind of your 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 standard product. This is what people are going to see on the shelves alongside the the rye whiskey. But if anybody has any kind of familiarity with the brand of chicken cock, it's going to be the the Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So kind of kind of twofold question. Um, this this mash bill you talked about it being seventy five percent corn and forgive me for not remembering the the rest of the oh was it twenty five percent or twenty one percent rye and nine percent multi barley well, our, our the, the the bourbon that we're laying down now our mash bill is seventy twenty one nine okay okay sorry yeah so, so what in that bottle is actually sourced bourbon 
uh, as I said, until ours gets a proper age and, and maturation. So that is actually a, a blend of, of a couple bourbons. And, and unfortunately, we had to sign a non-disclosure when we acquired that bourbon. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not able to be as transparent on that as, as I'd like to be. But uh, Of course, of course. Yeah. And, and my, my question was not going to kind of lead into where you were, you were sourcing it, of course, because I understand not, and not everybody is able to talk about it. Uh, so my, my question really, though, is when you were crafting this mash bill for chicken cock, was that a, a trial and error process? Or it was, was it pulled from what the original mash bill was of chicken cock, even from 1856? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we, we did a lot of research. And Monty, prior to my involvement, Monty did a lot of research himself, the founder of Grain and Barrel. Um, you know, he actually went to, to uh, Paris, Kentucky and, and tried to search in some of their archives to, to see if he could locate the, uh, uh, the actual mash bill, the original mash bill. And of course, there was nothing to be found. Um, you know, you can go to the Oscar Gator sure. Museum down in Bardstown and they have some of the old uh, pre-prohibition bottles on display down there. And, and unfortunately, there's no way you can test that whiskey and, and uh, check the DNA on it to, to see what the mash bill is. It just, uh, uh, there's just no way to do that. So, um, you know, based on some of the tastings that we did, uh, you know, that's, that's the mash bill we came up we felt would be as, as close as we were going to get to the original. It's fair, definitely fair at, at that point. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I applaud you guys for trying to stay as close to tradition uh, in that case. Uh, especially in terms of what people might, you know, be familiar with, with, with chicken cock. Uh, but I, I also, of course, just tasted the the bourbon uh, because it is sitting in front of me. It is such a delicate palate. It, it has so much nuance to it. And it just, even for a 90 proof whiskey, it has a, a, a depth of complexity and flavor to it that is, really kind of hard to find with most distilleries now. How did you all land on 90 proof? Was that something that uh, was uh, common with chicken cock back in the day? Yeah. Uh, you know, actually back in, in long, long ago, you know, a lot of the, the, uh, the, the, the bourbons were around a hundred proof. Um, you know, some, some were lower than that, but uh, the 90 proof actually stems from, from basically some of our, our trial and, and error type of, of work. Um, you know, everything that we've offered out so far, we've we've kind of sampled it at varying proofs, and uh, so far everything that, that we've we've offered uh, as far as the bourbon and the rye, um, you know, ninety proof seemed to really, really, I guess, provide the the, the, the flavor profile that existed without over diluting it. Uh, sure. You know, we do we have offered some some limited uh, offers uh, in the past from some of the source whiskey that we've done at, at higher proofs. But for our everyday, our standard uh, go-to uh, bourbon, which just will be going forward, um, you know, we decided 90 proof is, is the, the mark. And, and speaking of some of these limited editions that you all came out with as well, um, you're, you're doing things with them that a lot of distilleries are not necessarily considering, one of them being a, a beer-finished bourbon. A beer barrel finished bourbon, rather. That is so fascinating to me. What what led you all to make that decision? How did you kind of come to the conclusion that that was something that you wanted to uh, put out into the market? 
Well, I kind of touched on it earlier. You know, part of our, our business strategy um, to bridge the gap until we have our own bourbon that we've we've made and laid down uh, at Bardstown sure. Bourbon Company. Um, you know, we, we've tried to come up with a, a number of different innovations and, and unique offerings. Uh, you know, going out and sourcing whiskey nowadays is, is not an easy process. Uh, there's been such a demand. <laughs> Uh, you know, number one, finding high quality whiskey is, is difficult in itself, but then finding high quality whiskey that you can afford and, and bottle and sell sure. Is, sure. is another challenge. So, um, so trying to come up with, with different uh, offerings like this, uh, you mentioned the one with the, the beer barrel finish. We, I think there may be a few bottles left in, in Lexington and Louisville, um, <laughs> but not much. Um uh, if we're lucky. <laughs> it was very small. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was somewhere around uh, 18, 1,860 bottles total is wow. uh, all we did of that. Uh, but but give you a little story on that, Perry. It was, uh, we had a 10-year-old double barrel batch. Uh, it was um, chicken cock. We actually sourced the, the, the bourbon uh, out at MGP, out of Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the, the early on products we had. And uh, that was really the first one that I, I got intimately involved with, basically. Uh, uh, I asked the founder of the company, you know, let me have 12 barrels and, and do something unique with it. You know, I, I like single barrels, but my biggest rub with single barrels is they can be so inconsistent barrel to barrel. Absolutely. You know, you, you can put the same whiskey, you know, from the same batch and, and two barrels that came from the same cooperage and the same stave mill and uh, put them side by side in the same warehouse and age them for the same length of time. And when the whiskey comes out, man, it can be all over the map. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyhow, uh, I wanted to get some more consistency. So what I did was I, I uh, we had some whiskey that was uh, just become 10 years old. And so I, um, uh, I, first thing I did is I started knocking down the proof until I got to the point where I felt the alcohol burn subsided and the, the you know true characters of the bourbon, the caramel and vanilla, really overtook the profile. And I said, "Boom! Okay, that's that's the the proof we're going to bottle that at." And then I started uh, from my sensory analysis notes. I started taking barrels that were um, you know dominant in certain characteristics and matching them up with ones that were less dominant in those characteristics, but maybe had some complementary characteristics. And so I started matching up out of the 12 barrels, uh, two barrels at a time. So I made six batches out of the 12 barrels and, and trying to establish some consistency batch to batch, uh, but also provide um, a spectacular level of flavors. And, and we were able to accomplish that. It was, uh, we actually offered that at, at 104 proof. And, uh, you know, again, that was the, the proof for that particular whiskey that uh, I felt that we didn't over dilute it. You know, we just slowly got it down to that point where the alcohol burning, and, and quite honestly, a lot of people at tastings um, thought it was uh, was smoother at 104 proof than our 90 proof um, when we had an eight-year-old single barrel. So yeah, it's interesting how, how, you know, people pick up on different things, not looking at the label first, you know, and, and not sure. preconditioning the mind to think one way or the other, but... So Absolutely. when we finished, uh, when we dumped those barrels, I gave six of those barrels to Goodwood Brewing Company in, in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know if you're familiar with, with Goodwood. I am, yes. Absolutely. Uh, they make some fantastic beers, but uh, they have a, a walnut brown ale. Uh, oh, yes. I really like. And, and so they put their walnut brown ale in those six barrels. 
And it was in there about six to eight weeks, uh, uh, aging in those barrels. And then when they dumped those barrels, took, dumped the beer out of those barrels, I got them back and I put bourbon back into those barrels. And <laughs> I would them every, every few weeks and that just to see kind of how they were progressing. And, and a little after six months of being in those barrels, I felt they had pretty much uh, saturated all the flavor they were going to get out of, uh, out of those barrels. Sure. So we bottled that, and it was called Chicken Cock Beer Barrel Select. Um, it was it was unique. You know, I I tell people if if you know if you're a, a true bourbon connoisseur and, and you're thinking bourbon when you put that glass to your nose and to your mouth, um, you know you're, you're going to miss what's what's there. Uh, you may not like it. You know, all the tastings we did, I'd say eighty to eighty five percent of the people absolutely loved it. Um, the others didn't, didn't necessarily care for it. And, and to me, it, it actually tasted more like an Irish whiskey. When, when you smelled it and you tasted it, man, that malted barley was, was, uh, it just really was, was strong and it came out up front. But then as it sat on the palate, man, the caramel vanilla flavors of butterscotch notes really opened up and it had a nice, long, sweet and creamy finish. So one of the things that a lot of people kind of, maybe turn their noses up at uh, during this day and age is the the notion of sourcing and you definitely you know are, are transparent about the fact that you have been sourcing uh, your own product before it is actually uh, ready you know the the, the bourbon and, and rye that you have actually laid down and everything have you found any kind of backlash to the fact that you have sourced your your whiskeys or um, have, have people been pretty accepting of it overall? I, I don't know if it's backlash. You know, you have some people that are kind of purists and, and uh, say, well, that's not your whiskey. And, and sure. you know, I, I get it. But I, I can I can name probably 50 different companies uh, that bought whiskey from MGP to get started. You know, it's, it's a business strategy. And, of course. Uh, you know, uh, if you're going to get in the bourbon business, uh, number one, you got to have lots of money. And number two, you got to be patient because it takes time uh, to age, age good, high quality uh, whiskey, whether it's bourbon, rye or whatever. And so, um, again, that business strategy of going out and finding high quality product to source, um, to, to get bottles on the shelf and to create uh, cash flow, uh, you know, it's, that's that's how you get into the business. Um, absolutely absolutely and I, I imagine too that there's this sense of we've got to maintain consistency and quality and flavor profile and everything that people kind of come to expect especially when you move from sourced products to uh, your own distillate so the, has, has that been something that's been on your mind too as you transition yeah I, I think so but I think if, if anything I think uh, the product that we're laying down you know I, I, I sample our whiskey at uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company at least every six months, and it is it is progressing very nicely. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. And again, having control of, of all the elements, you know, as far as the uh, the process of making the, not only the making the whiskey but the barrel. You know, the, the barrel uh, people don't realize that barrel sixty to seventy percent of the flavor in a finished bottle of, of uh, bourbon uh, or, or even rye whiskey actually comes from the white oak barrel. Definitely. And uh, this last batch that we laid down here uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Perry, it, it's kind of unique. I, 
my 42 years in the business, I don't know if, if um, Aaron sent you a, a copy of my bio on that, but um, I, at 42 years, at 12 of those 42 years, I worked for Brown Foreman. And right. nine of the 12 years, I actually managed their cooperage. So I know a fair amount about building a barrel and what it takes to make a, a high quality barrel. Um, I have uh, one of my consulting clients is a company in West Virginia. And I luckily, about the time I started working with Grain and Barrel Spirits, I also worked with these guys. They're called West Virginia Great Barrel Company. And the beauty of the barrels coming out of West Virginia is the, the tight grain oak. Um, you know, you've got very mountainous in that Appalachian region, you got very uh, mountainous areas. And so, you know, 50% of the trees are growing on the north facing slope and 50% are growing on a south facing slope where, where the north facing, facing slope doesn't get the, the sunlight. And so it's going to grow slower anyhow, but the rough and rocky soil, uh, you know, basically causes all that, that white oak to grow pretty slow. And it's important in the fact that uh, you're getting some very tight grain oak. Now, when I say tight grain, by standard, tight grain is 10 annual growth rings per inch. Okay. Okay. Um, and so why is that good? Well, it's good because of the chemical composition. You're getting a much higher concentration and a denser level of uh, the hemicellulose and lignin that's in white oak. Uh, that actually is giving you those caramel and, and vanilla flavors. Um, the hemicellulose in white oak uh, contains the polysaccharides, and that's the wood sugars, okay? Um, when you build a barrel and you toast it and you heat up that wood, not charring it now, I'm talking about toasting it. And right, what right. you're doing is you're converting that hemicellulose into a caramel substance, just like uh, when when... You were in, in chemistry. I'm sure we did the same thing. We took a spoonful of sugar and held it over a Bunsen burner. What, <laughs> what that do? It starts melting and caramelizing on you. Right. That's what right. you're doing inside that white oak. Same thing with the lignin. When you heat up and toast that barrel, that lignin actually gets converted into vanillin, and that's where the vanilla flavors come from. So the, the caramel and vanilla flavors, uh, that's where you're creating those flavors. Now, um, Later on in the process, it's, then you char the barrel. Um, you know, it's, charring is, is important more from a standpoint of, of being a charcoal filter. You know, you're blistering the surface, allowing that whiskey to soak into the wood uh, to reach those great uh, caramel and vanilla flavors. Uh, but that char, charcoal, as I said, works like a charcoal filter. It strips out the graininess flavor. When, when you taste whiskey right off the still, you, you can taste those grains. Uh, you know, the bourbon, bourbon whiskey. You know, you can taste the, the corn and, and the rye or wheat, uh, depending on what's used in, in the malted barley. And so as it uh, the heat of the summer, you know, it, that whiskey soaks into the barrel and uh, passes through that char layer and strips that graininess flavor and starts picking up those great flavors. And then as the temperatures cool down, it, it contracts back out of the wood. And so over time, that's where you're getting your maturation and all, all your great flavors. Um, so. I started working with these guys in West Virginia. Uh, they built their stave mill, started running it. Oh, it was a February, 2019. And so I went out there the first week of March. I actually conducted some training with their employees and showed them how to properly quarter saw white Oak, um, you know, how to edge it up, how to grade it, what to look for, um, you know, as far as the defects to, to remove and how to stack it. And then, uh, 
I went back out there the following month, uh, the first week of April, and did some more training with a new group of employees and, and uh, just kind of see how they were uh, moving up the learning curve. Well, the following month, the first week of May of 2019, I went out there representing Grain and Barrel Spirits, and I personally hand-selected um, the logs we would use for our next 600 barrels. Um, I, I, I probably looked through over 500 logs and uh, called out wow. the ones with a, a, a paint can, just basically called out the ones that didn't meet the, the tight grain or, or uh, maybe had some other defects that um, you know weren't, weren't suitable. So um, I was out there a week and they, they cut all those staves, quarter sawed the logs and cut all those staves and heading and stacked them. And those staves and heading been sitting out there in that stave yard uh, they sat out there for a good 10 months. Uh, now, natural air drying is, is critical to making high quality whiskey as well. Sure. When I'm sure. natural, you know, a lot of people again, don't, don't understand the process and, and why, why is that different from just, you know, sticking it in a kiln? Well, you can cut a, a quarter saw of white oak and you can take those staves and heading and, and stack them and put them in a pre-dryer and get them down to about 20% moisture and then stick them in a kiln and finish drying them down to the nine to 14% that you want to, uh, uh, before it comes in and you can actually machine that wood without tearing it or, or uh, damaging it. Um, but the natural air drying by sitting outside and letting the, the, you know, mother nature's elements, the rain, the, the, the snow, the wind, the, the hot, the cold, uh, you know, expose that wood to those elements. And what you'll see is that there'll be a fungus that starts growing on, um, on that wood. And, and that's a good thing. You want that fungus because that microbial activity, what it does, it actually starts degrading the wood and opening up the cellular structure so that when it does rain and you get precipitation, it leaches out a lot of the harsh tannins and in, in the, 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 you know, our harsher tannic acid and, and other phenolic compounds that are bitter to the taste, you know, for whatever product you're actually going to put into that barrel. Uh, and so that's an important element. Also, that degradation of wood, when, when you take it in and, and machine the, the staves and heading and, and start building the barrel, and then you start toasting it by opening up that cellular structure and being such a tight grain oak, um, you know, you're able to, to reach that hemicellulose and that lignin much easier and develop so much more flavor in that barrel. And so... Um, March 16th, I was out there in, in West Virginia, and we actually built those barrels. I oversaw the process, was out there four days overseeing the construction of those barrels. Uh, March 20th, I was back in Bardstown overseeing the next production of our bourbon. And then March 25th and 26th, those barrels were actually filled with our bourbon. So um, it's kind of neat and thrilling for me to, to take some of my 42 years of experience and, and uh, knowledge in the industry and be able to... Uh, to apply it to every aspect of, of the bourbon. So um, unfortunately that bourbon won't be available, probably won't be bottled till sometime in 2024, so. So first off, you basically just gave everybody a masterclass on the chemical engineering behind <laughs> what makes whiskey, whiskey. And that was seriously one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard uh, in, in the almost three years that we've been doing this show. Just, just knowing the, the ins and outs of why, you know, toasting actually, you know, helps the, the whiskey and why the char, uh, you know, in, encourages some of those flavors too. That was just fascinating to me. And there's a part of my brain that really wants to like 
dive into the scientific aspect of it, but I got an arts degree, so <laughs> I'm not as <laughs> there's only so much that I can do in that regard. But I, I, I think that there's something so fascinating about thinking about what a, a tight grain barrel does over time, not just with uh, it's it's first use, so say bourbon or, or rye in terms of you know what we classify these whiskeys as, uh, but what it then goes on to become once it has a, it expended its first use. So say it goes on to be a, a barrel for Irish whiskey or Scotch whiskey. Does in in your experience have you found that tight grain barrels? have actually helped to improve the quality of, uh, of secondary usage um, once they get past the, the bourbon or rye whiskey stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the barrel has to be made properly. Again, there's cooperages nowadays, sure, sure. a number of cooperages, and it's because of price. It's a lot cheaper not to toast a barrel because toasting a barrel takes time. And so a lot of the, the larger distilleries, um, you know, when they, they go to buy barrels, uh, it's, it's less about quality and more about price. And so uh, some cooperages, they just char a barrel. They don't toast it. Now, by charring a barrel without toasting it, you know, you'll get a very thin, what they call a red layer, just on the inside of the char layer uh, of where that, that hemicellulose and that lignin have been converted. But by toasting the barrel, you're creating a much deeper, a much deeper penetrating level and you're, you're actually optimizing the flavors. You know, that whiskey is going to soak halfway into that, that stave of that barrel. Um, and, you know, your staves roughly an inch thick, 15 sixteenths of an inch thick. So it's going to soak about a half, half inch into that, that wood. Well, if you just got a thin layer just on the inside of the char, you're not maximizing, you're not optimizing the flavors that that barrel can put out. And so to your point, you're right. Once uh, the bourbon is dumped out of that aged and dumped out of that barrel, uh, that barrel has so much more value uh, f- for the secondary user, be it, be it uh, you know, Scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey, you know, rum, tequila, whatever. Uh, sure. There's still a lot of flavor uh, to be, be extracted. And, and the, the thinking, too, behind what the, the bourbon or the rye leaves behind in terms of flavor, not just with, uh, you know, what has been imparted from the barrel into the whiskey and then removed, of course, at the, at, as it is dumped. But the, just, I, I apologize because my brain is trying to, you know, can make all these connections and understand just how intricate the, the creation process is in, in the chemical side of it. This, this is something that we, we've, could honestly spend an entire hour and a half trying to dissect. And I think we might have to do that at some point okay. with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I kind of glossed over some of that early on, actually. It, it, it's a lot more, you know, we did. We just barely scratched the surface, Perry. So there's, Absolutely. there's a lot more Absolutely. neat stuff that, uh, uh, that, that plays an important role in, in the quality of, of the product that you're making. So in, in, in that regard, then, um, it has has the the chemical side of it has the engineering side of it become kind of second nature to you when you're deciding what is going to be the product that it, it, it finally hits uh, consumers hits the market shelves. 
Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I'm not an engineer, and I'm I'm not a chemist. Okay, I, I <laughs> but you have a very good understanding. It sounds like of what uh, well, what goes on beneath the surface. I, I tell people, case. you know, it, I'm just a slow learner. It took me 42 years to learn. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but again, that, that's part of the beauty of it. You know, I, I've been very blessed and, and fortunate throughout my career to work for some great companies and, and work with some great people. And, and uh, when, when you're around these knowledgeable people, you know, you, you turn into a sponge and you try to soak up as, as much of that knowledge as you can while you can. And so uh, I've been very fortunate in that regard. So uh, through all those years and all the things that I've done in, in this industry, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm thrilled to death to have the opportunity now to be able to, to have a controlling factor on, on every, every step of the process. Uh, you know, people say, well, how long does it make to, to take, you know, to make good, good bourbon whiskey? Uh, you know, thinking that, well, the age of it. And I said, well, it actually takes somewhere between 80 to 125 years or more. You start <laughs> with that tree, you know, you, you take, you take that that tree, okay, and, and the, the the white oak in West Virginia, it actually averages somewhere between twelve to fifteen annual growth rings per inch. My so goodness! If you take a let's say a, a twenty inch diameter white oak, which is pretty pretty average, okay, take a twenty inch uh, diameter uh, white oak log, and so at twelve growth rings per inch, you know, you take the the, the radius of that, so so you're looking at ten inches. Well, ten inches times uh, 12 growth rings, that's a 120 year old tree. My goodness. No, so, so it, it, you know, from start to finish, it takes a while. Now, you know, I'm not going to be around and haven't been around long enough to, to, uh, to experience that, you know, start my own, uh, plant my own acorns and that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what's out there and available, uh, hopefully we've got a pretty good handle on, on what it takes and, uh, what we can do with it. So, I'm, again, I'm excited about this bourbon. We've we've got aging at Bardstown Bourbon Company, and uh, the first bourbon will be coming out in uh, 2022 sometime. Again, we're, we're probably going to bottle it in, in in the package that you see there in our, our standard Kentucky straight bourbon sure, whiskey sure. package. Um, and it'll be probably four and a half years old before we bottle it. But we'll hold on to some to, to do some older uh, offerings as well, special offerings uh, later on. And in general, I mean, I look forward to finding out what, what those products are going to be like. But I definitely want us to to talk specifically about this this rye whiskey right now. I know we've touched on the the mash bill, we've touched on the sourcing uh, behind it as well. But what makes Chicken Cock Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey unique? from all of the other rye whiskeys that are out on the market right now? You know, we, we talked a little bit about the, the, the mash bill and being the 95% rye. And, and I think th there are some great ryes out there right now. Uh, I, you know, for years, I wasn't a, a big fan of rye whiskey. And that's because a lot of the rye whiskey had corn in it. And, and it does. It kind of masks some of the, yes. the great spiciness. Um, but I, I think uh, with this one here, um, it kind of blew me away. Now, if you look on the label, it's, uh, it, I think they're by the UPC. It says at least two years old. Okay. Of course, sure. it be at least two years old to be a straight rye whiskey. Um, but, uh, again, I didn't go look at the age. I just looked at what the flavors were and, and what, what I find unique about that, as I said, is the complexity on the nose. I'm, I'm getting, you know, 
the spicy notes and the peppery notes and, and not so much black pepper. But for me, I, I get something like a paprika and, 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 you know, maybe a little cumin and some of the spices. And then you kind of blend a little cinnamon. And, and it just I mean, it's just amazing the different things Absolutely. that you pick out of it. And then again, on the finish, you know, you get a little little peppery uh, on the finish, but uh, it opens up. I mean, the, the mouthfeel is phenomenal. Um, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day and, and they were, they were commenting on the buttery mouthfeel. And I said, you know, I, that's one of the things I picked up on both the, the bourbon and the rye is the buttery mouthfeel. And, and yes. you know, uh, if you add glycerin to a product that you'll get some of that mouthfeel, well, you can't add glycerin to, to either one of these whiskeys. But, <laughs> uh, that's what it almost tastes like. Cause you get that, that little creaminess. And, and, uh, so I, I kind of like that as well. I, I think that really, even at two years old, and, and we, we talk about this on the show quite often, how despite the fact that rye whiskeys uh, might sometimes clock in at a younger age, uh, they do wind up seeming to have a lot more flavor and a lot more body to it than uh, younger bourbons might. And, you know, of course, it, the, the rye taking on that, that flavor component that, you know, is imparted by the barrel it's definitely evident even at a younger age so i i will say i applaud you guys for the 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 product that i have in this glass right now this is an astounding two-year-old rye whiskey and i'm I'm even going to remove the the two-year-old part of it this is a very very good rye whiskey and and I'm, i'm i'm not trying to bark up a tree or anything, but I'm being very honest with you. It is well-rounded. It has an incredible mouthfeel. There is, and and, and this is one of the things too that I love about 95.5 Rise. It's not just the spice. It's not just this kind of punchy in the mouth, full-bodiedness. There is still a subtle sweetness to it that I think is prominent uh, on the front of the palate, even as it moves into the finish, and it it almost reminds me of an like a like an oatmeal or, or something of that nature. But it it has just a a very gentle aspect to it that complements the spicy full bodiness of it so so well. And at two years old and ninety proof, I am very very impressed with this. So I'm gonna give the I'm going to give this a seal of approval <laughs> at the very least. For the- Thank you, Perry. I, I appreciate the comments and, and I, I think you're spot on with your analysis. I mean, it's, again, I don't get hung up on age too much. Um, you know, now when I say that, you know, I've had some, some young bourbons that they're just too young and I've had some bourbons that, that people try yes. to uh, accelerate the maturation, let's say. Um, oh, we won't talk too much about yeah, that. And, I, and I, I'm not bashing anybody. <laughs> just, but everybody's palate's different. For my palate, that's not what I like. For for aging good whiskey, yes. it, it takes time and, and, and patience. And uh, but but again, uh, depending on the product you put in the barrel, and depending on the barrel you put that product in to mature, can play such an important role in in the flavor extractions you get out. And uh, you know this this particular rye. You know, at four years, and, and we may have some that, that uh, will probably be a little bit older. I think what you'll you'll find is that some of the the peppery, uh, you know, hotter peppery notes 
will start start to soften a little bit. It'll still be complex. Yes. It'll start to soften a little bit, and you'll get more of the the butterscotching and the sweetie, uh, more sweeter flavors. Uh, and so, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how this progresses, and, and some of the stuff we're doing in the future progresses. And I'm I'm very excited too about this finished rye that you all have planned as well. The uh, the righteous. I blonde. Yeah. So <laughs> let me talk about that. I, I was talking about, uh, before we had a little hiccup there with the, the, the system, we, uh, yes. I was talking about, we, we did a collaboration with Goodwood Brewing Company. And, and the first one we came out with was called, uh, uh, chicken cock beer barrel select, where we actually, uh, uh, put bourbon back into the barrels that our barrels that they used for, um, aging and, and finishing their, their walnut brown ale. Well, we did the same thing. The first batch of this Kentucky straight bourbon that you have uh, gave six barrels to Goodwood Brewing Company. They put a blonde ale in, in those barrels. And again, oh, wow. it was in there for about six to eight weeks. Um, when they dumped the beer out, I got them back and I put some rye whiskey back into those barrels. Now, the rye whiskey I mm-hmm. uh, was able to, to acquire it was actually a little over three years old. And uh, again, very good rye whiskey. Uh, but we had very limited quali- uh, quantity we, we, we could acquire. So about enough to fill those six barrels with rye whiskey. And uh, it actually went into the back. Rye whiskey went back into those beer barrels uh, on Halloween day. So it's been in there, what, uh, December, January, February, March, uh, five, five and a half. Uh, yeah, five and a half uh, months, I guess. And, sure, uh, sure. Uh, we were supposed to bottle it here a few weeks ago, but unfortunately with this, this virus uh, situation, that kind of got delayed. But before the end of this month, it's supposed to be bottled. And uh, we did a little play on words. It's actually called Chicken Cock Righteous Blonde. And, and righteous is spelled R-Y-E-T-E-O-U-S. So, yes. Um, and so it's, again, I mean, the flavors on this stuff, you think that the rye has a, a, a great complexity, man, wait till you try this, this righteous blonde. It is phenomenal. Oh, I can't wait. It is phenomenal. And, and again, for, unfortunately, six barrels, it's going to yield less than 1700 bottles. So it's going to be very limited edition, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. Pretty special whiskey. That's fantastic. I cannot wait to, to actually get to try that. Um, Greg, I really do appreciate you uh, virtually sitting down with me. Uh, for this little interview. Um, I am so excited to see the future of Chicken Cock uh, over the next couple of years. I know that you guys have really great things planned, not just in the barrel, but uh, you know what's on the shelf at this point uh, as, as well. Uh, is there anywhere that people can find you on social media if they would like to do that? Uh, yeah, Chicken Cock, we have our own, own website. Um, you know, I'm, I'm connected with a couple of, uh, of uh, bourbon groups and that. Uh, but, um, uh, the, the best way to, to get a hold of me is, is through, uh, through the website. Sure. Awesome. And, uh, that is just at, uh, chickencockwhiskey.com. The link will be in the description below for this episode. Greg, I want to say thank you so much again for sitting down with me. Thank you to Aaron, uh, who set up this interview as well. It is always uh, a really great time to get to talk to master distillers and uh, folks of the like. So, Greg, I hope to have you back on soon as well so we can actually get into the chemical side of everything because my mind was blown, but I know that there's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I appreciate the, the, the master class that you gave on that in the short, gosh, like six minutes that you talked about how how 
barrels being charred and and seasoned and uh, toasted affects the whiskey. That was incredible, man. Oh my gosh. Well, hopefully we, we can. I'd, I'd love to uh, hook back up with you again sometime down the future, Perry, and, and uh, maybe we can elaborate on some of that stuff and, uh, a little further. And hopefully we can do it in person too once all the uh, coronavirus stuff is over. That would so, be awesome, man. I would love that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But uh, thank you again, Greg. I really do appreciate it. All right, pal. My pleasure. My thanks to Aaron uh, Brost, who got that interview set up. And Greg, thank you so much for sitting down with me again. Man, what a good conversation I had with him. We, we touched on this whole thing uh, to catch you guys up to speed, Curtis and Swan. We had this whole conversation on how toasting the barrel does an extra layer of like creating flavors like at a chemical level. Um, and it just like if you had a camera on me during the, the recording of that, my mouth would have been open and there just would have been drool rolling down my mouth like. <laughs> Just like, I've got no idea what's going on here. Um, but I want to get him back on sometime to do a full episode just about the science side of it. I think it would be so cool to to hear what he has to say about that. Because he's got, what, 42 years in the business? I mean, just an insane amount of information uh, and, and experience tucked away. So we'll have to get him on sometime soon. Uh, I wanted you guys to try the uh, Chicken Cock Bourbon and their brand new Chicken Cock Straight Rye Whiskey. Um, so we can we can start with either one. What do you guys feel like? Oh, I'm I'm pouring the bourbon right now. Gotcha. Right now. <laughs> right this second. Because I've not had any of this, but I've seen their like limited edition ten year with like the ornamental cap to it and stuff yes that thing mm-hmm. looks awesome so we're doing the bourbon correct yes we'll start with the bourbon i think this video is definitely going to go up for patreon they'll love it they will definitely love it <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave it uncut too so that me going yes <laughs> And you coming back on and, and flipping off the camera, that was good, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Perfect. It's going to be my new profile picture on Facebook. <laughs> I wouldn't then. mind it. Yeah, do it. Guys, how do you feel about the uh, the bourbon so far? How do you feel about the bourbon after having nosed it? I'm... Go ahead, Swan. I'm a little confused. I don't know what the age is. I actually don't want to know. I want to kind of get into it a little bit before we before we find out. Yeah, and he didn't disclose the age to me either. Okay. Okay. So I don't I don't really know myself. It's got like some younger qualities to it, but at the same time it's got some like smokiness that I really enjoy. Mostly on the nose and with the, the smokiness. The palate does not drink like a younger bourbon, though. No, but it does drink like it drinks like a bourbon that's been a little bit watered down. I yes, would say. I, I would agree with that. Because so I don't think is, the proof. I don't think the proof is that high. No, it's ninety proof. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can tell that they definitely, definitely kind of played around with the product itself. To get it to a specific flavor profile. And I really don't mind it. I think that it's a, a very easy sipper. And it's one that people can kind of 
easily access, I would say, in just terms of, you know, what what they might be feeling like they want to drink. What am I saying? I'm saying that it's it's not it's not overly complex, but it has a lot of really um interesting flavors to it that can still entertain bourbon drinkers of all types. It's reminding me a lot of some of the Michter's profiles. Yes, absolutely. Very, very similar, which I I like because Michter's is not price-wise approachable for a lot of people. Uh, but this is, a, I don't know, it kind of joins that like joyful category of like wild turkey, fighting cock, you know, I mean, just the weird little names and stuff. I mean, it. I definitely think it's smokier than Michter's. I've not had any of the toasted barrel finishes, but just after hearing you kind of talk about how into that toasting he was, I think this definitely brings some of that into it. I don't know quite what it does, but that weird smokiness I'm getting while simultaneously getting a slight youngness to the bourbon, I think that that's that toasted barrel. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Um <clears throat> I am happy with the kind of complexity a little bit on the on the palate of just some of that toasted barrel um and it has some like layered qualities of it. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see this at cash strength. Oh yeah. Because I will say even at 90 proof the spice that you get towards like the end of the palate, beginning of the finish it drinks like it's probably 95, 100. It feels like it's up there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, this, so this is what they call their flagship bourbon, right? Um, this is what they, they offer just kind of as a standard product. Um, it is $60, though. So not as far as approachable. It's, it's right there with Michter's. You, exactly. Yeah. Um, th- that being said, though, again, I really don't dislike it. I really don't. No, I don't dislike it either. No, I, I think it's pretty solid. The $60 price point is, you know, here or there, but I think it's a solid, solid bourbon. For sure. Do you guys have a, a glass empty that you could use, uh, you could pour the rye into as well? Yep. Swan doesn't. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> so I will say that um, the rye. Let me just say I like the rye so much that this sample bottle is already empty. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'll give you a couple Ooh. quick stats on it before uh, before we get to to in the weeds. It is ninety five percent rye, five percent malted barley, so it's a very high rye rye. Uh, mm-hmm. It's two years old, and it is also ninety proof. Um, so I, I just think it's interesting that like the two year ryes and stuff are coming out, uh, and I, I think that the ones that are um, are younger like this that have like that 95% or like super high rye content are actually a little bit more flavorful and developed because they don't have that, you know, 51% or like barely legal rye. I tend to enjoy the ones that are 
a little more um, high rye content, like the new riff, you know, they've got that 95% and then 5% uh, malted rye. Um, those just seem to be a little more developed. Like uh, this compared to like the Sazerac we just had earlier in the episode, I much prefer this. It just has a little more flavor than it imparts. It's not doing that kind of Woodford thing where it's trying to appease to everyone. It's definitely down its own lane uh, and one that I like. So I'm, I'm all for uh, something that's a little more streamlined to a specific flavor profile. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, with that, that high rye, content i mean that's going to get you basically just more flavor in general um once you you know kind of eliminate some of the sweetness that uh and and uh the less sponginess i always kind of think of rye as like a, more of a sponge i guess like in the way that it kind of absorbs the flavors from the from the barrel um so once you kind of eliminate the the corn which is not going to uh, impart as many flavors um, it then kind of allows the whiskey to, to, I would say, you know, breathe a little bit more. Um, so this is a two-year-old rye whiskey. What do you guys think the price is on this one? Considering the last one was 60 bucks. If I had to guess, I'd say it'd be somewhere around 80. I feel like sometimes the rye fetch a little more, and especially in the category right now with like Peerless and some of the other ones that are fetching a pretty, pretty good price for a two, three-year-old rye. Um, some of them are worth it. I feel like 80. Yeah. For me, I think that, uh, this is definitely going to be worth the price. Um, I'm going to go with the under on what Swan was saying. I think it's going to be around, you know, that 70, 75 price range. Uh, so it is actually 70 bucks. So it's, look, that's not an insignificant amount of money. I mean, you are digging a little bit deeper so you can pay for that but in in regards to how it stacks up with other ryes that are kind of in this category we're talking about you know peerless rye uh barrel rye um even even on up to you know can can I feel like we can include maybe like a Thomas H handy in there too and uh, you don't know? forget pinhook i mean that's another one that i feel yes. like it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I don't enjoy that one as much, and it's a two, three year old rye, and it's also significantly cheaper. Oh, I mean, okay. you're getting that for True. like thirty bucks less. The the ride on this this guy um, yeah. was. <sighs> I made a horse noise. I didn't mean to. I <laughs> uh, it's it was uh, forty bucks. I think. Mm, okay. Gotcha. So I I will say about the uh, the ride on wasn't that the one that we tried uh, maybe about a month or so ago is yeah, that the we one were... from source from uh, Castle and Key yes yeah. yeah yeah I guess the only thing we'll say about about that one is that we weren't as impressed uh, you know as what we're having with this um, so I think the price difference is probably probably adjusted on that a little bit yeah. Age is but a number, I suppose. So uh, I just want to say thank you again to the folks at Chicken Cock for sending me these samples. And I appreciate you guys for getting to try it. Well, I'm happy you got to try it, try it along with me as well. Yeah, our socially so. distanced delivery from Perry. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was behind the glass shield of my, my car window when I delivered it to Swan, especially since and he had just gotten off of a 10-hour shift from Kroger. 
And Curtis, I was basically out the door for most of our conversation. <laughs> like six feet apart, for sure. Yes. Yes. And I was sitting there going, uh, this is like the first human interaction I've had in like, yeah. <laughs> like months. This is great. <laughs> I feel alive now. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I was like, I'm having a great day now. I feel like you guys did the Spider-Man meme where they like point at each other. You know, just from yeah. one one outside delivering bourbon, the other one just in the door frame. Yeah, that's not too far off. I mean, that's fairly accurate. All right. So we have some questions from our Facebook group. Uh, all you have to do to join that is just head to Facebook.com and search for This Is My Bourbon Group. And we'll get you we'll get you in there. There's just a couple questions to confirm that as well. Uh, we're going to do this in a quick fire format because we have a lot of questions that we have to get through. You guys were curious this week. Uh, first one's from Ian McMaster. He said, uh, Perry, do you have a favorite dog? No, I love them both equally. Swan, uh, when's the last time that you saw the OG version of Heaven Hill bottled and bond? Uh, about a month ago. Saw it at Justin's in the place across the street, heavily marked up. Gotcha. <laughs> Kurt, uh, why do you love Henry McKenna so much? Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, you know the, a combination of things of it being a 10-year, a, a single-barrel uh, a, a bottled and bond. I think all of those combinations uh, really just brings out a lot of great things. Uh, everyone's a little bit different. A little bit different. Um, I really like the hundred proof point at bottled and bond. Uh, I just think you know Heaven Hill in general. You know we've talked about this quite a bit, but we really enjoy Heaven Hill uh, products. So yeah, I think that was that's probably it. Yeah, absolutely. I. Tony, I think I've been saying his last name wrong. I think it's Mercury, but I've been saying Mercury. It's got to be Mercury, right? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, he said, I, what, are, yeah, what, are you all yeah. most look, what are you all most looking forward to after quarantine? For me, it's sitting down at a restaurant again. Uh, for me, it's, I very much am looking forward to restaurants, but I'm also looking forward to hugging people again and also to get to have a drink with somebody um, that's not myself or the dog. Uh, you know that feeling when you see the fajitas go by your table and you're like, those are my fajitas, but they're not your fajitas? I miss that feeling. I want that Aww. again. You, you even want the disappointment <laughs> side of not being in quarantine. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's okay. I'll just eat myself in uh, the giant bowl of chips and salsa in front of me, you know. Yeah, that literally just made my day because that's <laughs> hilarious. Because everybody <laughs> has had that experience of like, oh, oh. <laughs> no yeah uh what i'm missing yeah i mean just going out just like actually being able to do stuff i know that's lame but it's just like that's, i mean go it's... to target go to barnes and noble go to <laughs> go to best buy people. i haven't been to best buy in years and i just want to go see best buy i want to go look at the app the uh the the equipment and everything yeah uh, anyway. i just want a nintendo switch already <laughs> I've got mine. It's great. Uh, this next one is not a question. It's a fun fact, but it's from Dustin Whitaker. Uh, he said the name of bourbon originally derived from the House of Bourbon in France in the 16th century, the, that 16th century French royalty family. Thanks, Dustin. Uh, the next one's from Jordan Bernsdorf. Uh, he said, what is one positive impact you want to see from the COVID-19 pandemic, whether it be a national large-scale impact like shipping liquor nationally or even small personal impact like more meaningful times uh, drinking with friends? I like the latter part of that one. I'm looking forward to being able to be appreciative of spending time with people again. 
I want an option in my Papa John's order to ship Jim Beam to my house instead of a two liter. Um, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. That's great. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think this has just been a, I, I would like to see a lot of people, and I think it already has, is showing a lot of appreciation for some of the smaller things. I want to smell roses. Not again. taking this stuff as for granted, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Eric Black asks, how many times have you mowed your lawn since being isolated? Once. You guys live in apartments, so zero. I don't have a lawn. <laughs> yeah, my front lawn is a concrete slab that people park on. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess technically I've mowed once because the... Uh, you shaved? They came and mowed it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Uh, Brennan Rogers II great name uh he asks what is your favorite texas bourbon and what texas bourbon are you looking forward to trying that you have not yet had the opportunity to so going back no to why <laughs> going you've not had any is that what you said kurt i've had like maybe two so i would not be the uh source of information for this however we have a box apparently so that's pretty we cool got a maybe box. i'll be able to try some of those <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i like iron root harbinger that's pretty good Yes. Um, I have not found one that I've been over the moon about just yet, but I do agree. I like uh, I like Iron, Iron Root Harbinger quite a bit. Um, Alan Cornett. Hello, Alan. He said, uh, what do you know about the uh, the new Old Fitz 16? It's an old. It's a 16-year-old Old Fitz bottled and bond in a decanter that comes from Heaven Hill. It's a weeded bourbon. I don't know anything else about it. Uh, Other than I want to try it. I'm yes. Yes, exactly. Don Nishida asks, what's your go-to meal pairing beverages? For myself, I enjoy whiskey either before or after a meal. With meals, I'll vary depending on the cuisine. Steak or pasta with wine, burger or ribs with the beer, uh, sushi with sake, etc. Um, I love uh, like a like a beer with a burger. Or even beer with pizza. Yeah, same here. I mean, I... beer just pairs really well with like a burger and stuff. Uh, I do like if I am having you know, a pasta or a, a nice kind more of a higher, higher quality of meal, then I'll probably go with a whiskey or a bourbon. Um, the sake and sushi. I've tried it before. I need to do it more often. I'm a big fan of, uh, some Knob Creek single barrels with a steak, or I really like, uh, sushi with Hancock's presidential reserve. Yes. That yes. one's a good one. Uh, Cole Boozer asks, what would you do if your internet went down during this pandemic? Happened to me last night, and thankfully the internet provider's breaker was turned back on within the hour. I would bash, bash my head through the wall. Uh, I would adopt. I've already cat. bashed. <laughs> I've already bashed my head through the wall. Kurt's internet went out I've already a couple go, of times. <laughs> uh, quite a few times. <laughs> One was for like a solid seven to eight hours. So. Oof. What I did during that time, I was pissed. <laughs> I got blind drunk and I was mad. <laughs> that's I kid, but that's literally what happened. This next question comes from somebody named um, Sean Thomas Moore. What the heck is that? Uh, he said, when is my unemployment check hitting? I'm about 76% done with the application and my check hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> Well, Sean Thomas Moore, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer your question. 
Um, because I will not, I will not entertain somebody who is seventy six percent done with anything. Seventy seven or higher. That's what I always say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll get back to you next week. What do you mean, you? Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Starkey asks, when are we all going to watch Arrested Development or Twin Peaks? So we want to do some kind of watch along with people um, where we go through like a movie or a TV show or something. Uh, it'll probably be Patreon only, uh, but we'll, we'll figure that out soon. I really want to do that. I think it'd be great to, you know, you know, during quarantine, give us something else to do. Uh, Blake Upchurch, uh, Upchurch, rather. Oh, I'm totally down. We should do that. Yes, I'm totally, I, I want to do it so badly. Uh, Blake Upchurch asks, where is the best place to bourbon hunt in the United States outside of Kentucky? Thinking about a road trip when COVID-19 is over. Texas. That, Texas is a good one. Yeah. Tennessee. Apparently there's some good stuff out in California. Um, somebody was saying that they can still find Weller Antique near them. So... Whoever that is. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and our last question comes from Donnie Webb. He said, have you been to the Lincoln Road Package Store in Hattiesburg, Mississippi? Who's up for a road trip uh, after this is all over? I have not been, but I am totally up for a road trip. I have not been, but I'm down. I don't even know what that is. But, I mean, I'll, I'll go. It's fine. I, they, yeah, I'm always intrigued. They they have some of the best picks in the, in the country. Um, it's oh. the... It's the For sure down. store that uh, does uh, the owner and Dixon Deadman. They do their uh, birthday picks for uh, single barrels every year. They do them together because they have the same birthday. Oh, cool. Anyway. Okay. That's all the questions. That was our, our rapid question segment from uh, our Facebook group. Guys, tips and bits for this week. I have been watching a new car channel. I'm obsessed because I drive a piece of crap car and I love it. But uh, at the same time, like just watch people build crazy things. There's a YouTube channel called faster proms. And within this past week, he's been like quarantined to a shop. So he's just been making content from his, his shop and he just bought a smart car and he decided to put like a 600 horsepower engine into it. And for no reason. So it's just a super high powered smart car that just flies down the road. Uh, I don't know. It's great. I think it's it's cool. And at the end of every video, he like apparently does something like he either breeds or takes care of like golden retrievers. So there's like four of them just running around having a great time. Highlight of my day. I like this guy. What was it called again? Faster proms. It's a weird thing. I can I can put it in the chat because it's a strange way to spell it. Sure. Yeah. Kurt? Uh, for me, I've been on the HBO train, and this is more of a, this is a past show, though. Uh, the Sopranos, I just started it, and uh, very good, very good. So I would recommend going and watching that. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people already know about this, <laughs> and I'm just late to the party. Uh, we just finished up uh, Shit's Creek. The finale for Shit's Creek came out, and... Um, I, I miss, I'm going to miss that show a lot. It was one of my favorite shows, maybe of all time, to be very honest. Um, I've been going back through Twin Peaks as I've been, I uh, doing this new unemployment gig. That's something. Um, and so at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that I, I watched a movie until late last night. I watched the, uh, the, the best picture from this year's Oscars, uh, Parasite, last night. 
Super good. Holy moly, it. that movie is so good. <laughs> Very good. It, it deserves the Oscar. It absolutely does. I was, I was seriously on the edge of my seat about halfway through yeah. the movie. I was like, what is, what is happening right now? Yeah. Oh my god. It's gosh. really good. Also, Jojo Rabbit. Very good. Oh, I've got to watch Jojo Rabbit. Itself, it bills itself as a comedy. Uh, there's some heavy stuff to it. Though. I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm not surprised I mean, yeah. by that. Considering it takes place during World War II and the Holocaust. It does have com- comedic relief. Yeah, it's Taika Waititi. He's, yeah. a, he's, a funny, he's a funny, funny man. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap the show up for you all this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Oh, and by the way, if you've not listened to this, uh, the first episode of the ISO Sessions, uh, that is in your feed as well. It was with Matt Porter from ADHD Whiskey. Really fun 30-minute conversation with him. So go check out this uh, first ISO Sessions. The next one is dropping on this Friday, probably around noon. Uh, so go and listen to that as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in this week. Guys, thanks for being here as always. Where can people find you on social media? Um, I'm at my bourbon finder on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me at Kurt Con on Instagram and Kurt underscore con fifteen on Twitter. And I am at Pure Raider1492 on all social media channels. The show itself is at my bourbon pod on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. You can give us a five-star rating in review in the iTunes podcast app. Uh, and if you leave a five-star rating and review, we will read out your review on the show. And we do have a, a new review this week. It is from Tony underscore Merck. I'm pretty sure, Tony, that's you from the Facebook group, Tony Mercury. I think that's also Tony Bag of Donuts from the It's Bourbon Night <laughs> live stream feed. So thanks for being a listener and supporter of the show, Tony. He said, Perry and the crew host a great show. I always learn at least a couple things and points me in the right direction for the next bottled hunt. Thanks, guys. And keep up the excellent work. Cheers. Thank you, Tony Bag of Donuts. Appreciate you, buddy. You can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com. We got a sale going on there right now. Like I said earlier, you can become a part of our Facebook group. You just search for This Is My Bourbon Group on Facebook.com, and you can become a part of that there. You can leave a call in for our, or a voicemail rather, for our Barrel Rings call in segment at 859 428 8253. You can leave a voicemail for us, and we'll listen to it on the show. And it's always a lot of fun. Curtis, you have something you want to talk about. What's going on, buddy? I uh, So I saw his name, and I think it's Mercury. Do you? I do. I don't think it's Mercury. Tony, right? Because there's no Y. It's an I. To- Mercury. Yeah. Tony, t- let us phonetics, let us know. Please. Because we've... <laughs> Hooked on phonics. Tony, let us know if we've been saying your name wrong or not. Anyway, and last but not least, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash podcast for as little as a dollar a month. For as little as $5 a month, you get bonus content like our pregame chats that drop every week the day before the episode or our bonus episodes that come out every month. New one's actually going to be coming out this week. Lots of lots of content from the It's, uh, it's Bourbon Night, from the This Is My Bourbon Podcast stream feed whatever oh my gosh we got to get out of here i'm losing my mind slowly but surely thank you all so much for listening we'll see you guys next week but until then i'm perry i'm curtis and i'm swan and this is my bourbon podcast